Why? That's not what I meant. <laughs> Why? At our house of prayer this morning, and I really encourage you to carve out time in your schedules and join us third Sunday of every month for our house of prayer. The word of the morning was help, and we were asking God to help us learn how to ask him how to help us. That word was help, but the word of the worship service today is why. And the worship team selected that song independently from Melissa sharing her story, independently from me putting as the first word of my sermon the word why. Why is a really hard question to ask. And why is the hardest question to answer? Who is easy? What is easy? When is easy? Where is easy? But not why. Why is always the hardest question to answer. But Christmas reminds us that God always has an answer to our why questions. If you have your Bible, will you please turn with me to Matthew chapter 1. While you're turning there, I want you to think in your mind, what's your biggest why question of the year? It's the end of the year. What's your biggest why question? And as I pray, before I read, ask God while I'm praying to be with you in the midst of your why questions. If you don't have a Bible with you, the text is reprinted on the back of your bulletin. Let me pray. Lord, why? Our hearts ask why, and your word gives us an answer. You have a plan. Your plan is love. Your love is comprehensive. You didn't forget a step in what it took to send your son the first Christmas. And it happened according to your prophecies and your plan and your providence and your love. But Father, we struggle with the why questions. So this morning, give us ears to hear your answer to the why question. Hearts to receive it with hope and joy. And eyes to see your plan for our lives. Teach us and nourish us from your word. Why, oh Lord? We know why. It's because you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 1, today we'll be looking at verses 18 through verse 25, the end of the chapter. This is the word of our Lord. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child from the Holy Spirit. And... Her husband Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. But 
As he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not fear to take Mary as your wife, for that which is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. When Joseph woke from sleep, he did as the angel of the Lord commanded him. He took his wife, but knew her not until she had given birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. So what is your big why question? <coughs> Our message has two parts. Don't be afraid. Nothing can stop God's gifts. That's the story of this text. Don't be afraid. Nothing can stop God's gifts. Before we get to those two main points, let me summarize it first. In our text, Jesus was born, and we've got some details, don't we? Mary and Joseph were betrothed, and that's sort of like being engaged, but it's a little bit more important than being engaged, and so we'll get into that in a minute. While they were betrothed, Mary was pregnant, not the way it usually happens. The Holy Spirit had given her a child. Joseph finds out that Mary's pregnant. He knows he's not the father, so he plans to divorce her, which is what you need to do if you're betrothed. In American engagement, you don't need to divorce to break an engagement, but in Jewish betrothal, if you wanted to break that, it had to have been divorce. So that's what's going on the first Christmas. This family has a baby on the way, and they're planning a wedding, and they're planning a divorce. And that's the first Christmas. There are so many why questions that come up when you think about what Joseph and Mary were going through. That's not what you put on the Christmas card. You put the last verse, he was born, Emmanuel, God with us. That's what you put on the Christmas card, not this story. That's really hard. That's really confusing. That news would bring pain to family get-togethers. Can you imagine the sleepless nights they might have had? But God is in control. And God knows every thought Joseph is having and every thought Mary is having and every why question they're asking. So an angel appears to Joseph. In a dream, but it's as clear as day, and the angel gives more information because God knows that Joseph needs more information while he's shouting why, and God gives it to him. And the most important thing to notice in this text is verse 22. All this took place. Stop there for a second. That's the name of the sermon. All this took place. It doesn't say some of the details took place. It doesn't say one of the details took place. It, it doesn't say that the main thing took place for this reason and everything else just happened to work out. 
Verse 22, all this took place to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Then the angel quotes Isaiah 7, 14, not a top 10 memory verse in Jewish circles at the time, but the verse mentions the word we've been singing this morning, Emmanuel, which means God with us. So the angel says that the boy who is going to be born is going to be God with us. God with us. Well, then Joseph wakes up and he gets married and the boy is born and his name is Jesus. Merry Christmas. Now it's a Merry Christmas. That's our story. But the first Christmas, Mary and Joseph had a whole lot of whys. They were not making plans to travel back to the hometown for a Christmas party with a tree and presents listening to, do you want to build a snowman, right? On their donkey radio, which isn't technically a Christmas song, but I like it. By the way, I need to clarify something. Some of you are beginning to think that I'm a Scrooge. Two weeks ago, I mentioned some Christmas songs, and I meant that they get old after hearing them 73 times. But I like a lot of Christmas songs, even some of the cheesy ones, even some that aren't about Jesus. My only point in bringing up those songs last time, two weeks ago, was to point out that our greater hope was only solved by Jesus. So I do want to build a snowman. I do, and I hope it snows. And if I get a chance to build one this winter, my daughter and I are going to be singing the first line of that song over and over while my three sons are running around throwing snowballs at each other and us and the house and the snowman. So let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. Those songs can be great. But for Mary and Joseph, there was no singing of jovial Christmas songs. They didn't have gifts under a tree. The world was dark and they were planning a wedding and a divorce at the same time. So they needed hope and not just Joseph and Mary. The world needed hope. The world needed what the angel said was coming, Emmanuel. God with us. And that's what we got. And that's what you need this Christmas season. That's what you need this week. For the last two weeks of the year, you need God with you. And what the angel says is all this took place. All this took place to fulfill God's plan. This story has massive implications for how you and I think about our circumstances. So don't be afraid Nothing can stop God's gifts. Point one, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. This Christmas, if you understand the Christmas story, you don't have to be afraid of anything. So what are you afraid of? Be honest. What are you afraid of? Don't shout it out now. We all have all kinds of fears. What are you afraid of? Every year, Chapman University studies American fears. 2023 has brought some new ones. Everyone every year is always afraid of corruption in government. But now more than 50% of Americans are afraid of World War III happening. Two of the top 10 fears have to do with money. I saw online there's a, a viral picture of a rest stop McDonald's menu in Connecticut. And the double quarter pounder meal is $18.99. 
Just imagine if you had four kids. Scary. But one fear every year is always on the top of the list, not just for American fears, but I would imagine globally every human's fears. Always one of the top ten fears is something bad happening to someone I love. Something horrible happening to someone I love. And that's Christmas. Joseph and Mary were betrothed. They were planning a wedding. They had committed their love to one another. They were looking ahead to the future and planning a future for themselves. And then Mary became pregnant. And Joseph is afraid. Did you notice all the fear in this story? The first Christmas is full of fear. Verse 19. And her husband, Joseph, being a just man and unwilling to put her to shame, resolved to divorce her quietly. When someone gets caught in what they think is a public sin, like adultery, there's a lot of shame involved. Nobody knows how to talk about it. Now, we know from this story, and the angel knew, and Mary knew, that she had not committed adultery, but nobody else knew. She didn't have the receipts. She didn't have any way to prove otherwise to anyone who would ask. So verse 20. But as he considered these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, listen to the angel. Do not fear to take Mary as your wife. For that which conceived is conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. So fear is the theme of what Joseph and Mary went through that first Christmas. And plot twist, God uses the fear all throughout the story to eventually drive out the fear from the world. He uses the fear in the story to drive out fear from the world. God brings his people through fearful situations to get us to the other side of fear. Because at the end of the story, their circumstances had not changed. But they trusted the Lord and their fear was gone. Their circumstances that brought them so much fear did not change. But the fear was gone because they trusted the Lord. What are you afraid of? What are you really afraid of? And this child was not just a gift for them. Joseph, don't be afraid, the angel says. And Joseph could say, okay, I won't. But look at verse 21. She will bear a son and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And there it is. And that's how your fear goes away. Because the boy who was going to be born would not just remove the public shame from Joseph and Mary, but it was the child who would grow up to take away the sin of the world. And sin is why there's suffering. And sin is why there's fear. Whatever you're afraid of only exists in your heart because of sin. If there was no sin, there would be nothing to be afraid of. We live in a world full of fear because we live in a world full of sin. And Jesus, that first Christmas, was born to grow up and solve the sin problem. So if you're here and you're not saved from your sins, if you don't trust in Jesus for salvation yet, there's no remedy for your fear that I can offer you. 
I cannot help you overcome fear because fear is in this world because of sin. So have you trusted in Jesus? Have you trusted in the boy who was born to grow up to defeat fear? Call on his name, not for the overcoming of fear, but for the forgiveness of sins. And then in his presence, Emmanuel, God with you, watch the fear melt away. Jesus was going to be the fear stopper for the whole world because finally there's a way to be saved from sin. So the angel says, don't be afraid. Can you hear the angel's voice? Can you hear God saying that to you? Don't be afraid. Joseph, don't be afraid. World, don't be afraid. And you today, don't be afraid. Afraid. The fear stopper has arrived. Verse 23. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. Amen? Don't be afraid. That's point one. Point two is nothing can stop God's gifts. Nothing can stop God's gifts. Notice I didn't say nothing can stop God's plans. Of course, nothing can stop God's plans. But I didn't say nothing can stop God's plans. I said nothing can stop God's gifts. Because if you and I look at every trial in our life as a punishment or a grueling trial instead of a gift that God handpicked for us, it will be really hard for us to be grateful for those trials. It will be really hard for us to have any joy in our trials. If we just grit our teeth and try and grin and bear it, instead of seeing those trials as a gift from God, then we're not going to be able to get through it. God planned hard things for his people. And those things for Joseph and Mary were gifts. And those things for you and I are gifts. In fact, some of God's best gifts are really hard trials, aren't they? I've heard story after story from Christians, and they say, I grew up in a Christian home. But then this happened, and it was so hard. And that's when I learned to trust God. And boy, has my faith been stronger since then. Those trials are gifts from the Lord, as hard as they are. The famous 19th century preacher, Charles Spurgeon, had a lot of suffering in his life. He had Bright's disease, which is kidney inflammation. He had gout, which is swelling and pain in your joints. He had rheumatism, which is arthritis. And on top of all of that, one of the most famous preachers ever admits to having a lifelong battle with depression. Kidney inflammation, swelling and pain in his joints, arthritis, and a lifelong battle with depression. And when he was speaking about those great struggles, particularly the mental anguish he faced, the depression, he wrote about God's refining fire from 1 Peter 1, 6 and 7. It says, In this you rejoice, Though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So joy in trials. Verse 7, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, 
more precious than gold that perishes, though it is tested by fire. What's the reason? What's the why? May be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So Spurgeon said about that this. When the gold that's in the refiner's fire, when the gold knows why it's in the fire, it will thank the refiner for putting it into the crucible and will find a sweet satisfaction even in the flames. When the gold in the hands of a loving refiner gets put into the fire, if the gold knows that the refiner loves it, it will thank the refiner for putting it into that crucible and will find a sweet satisfaction even in the flames. For Spurgeon, everything, all the physical pain and suffering, his adult life, and even his mental anguish and depression, Everything that happened to him had a good answer to the why question because he knew the refiner who was putting him through the fire. And for Joseph and Mary, everything that happened to them in this text had a good answer to the why question. But we rarely know exactly why. Don't you always want to know exactly why? Lord, why exactly did I get sick? Why exactly did I stub my toe? I mean, that's one I really want to know. The stubbing of toes and the mosquitoes. Like, Lord, help us understand. Why did my older brother give me noogies and charley horses my whole adolescent life? Why, Lord, did you let my older brother pick on me like that? I love my older brother, but man, I had a lot of whys. Why do we get stuck in really bad traffic? Why do we receive a difficult diagnosis? Why are we shamed for our faith at school or at work or in our family get-togethers that are coming up? Why do we lose loved ones? Why, Lord, he doesn't always tell us exactly why, but we know that God wrote that chapter in our story and that the trials, as Peter says, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So why? That's our question. Why? Hard trials are gifts which result in glory for Jesus. Hard trials are gifts from the Lord for our good and God's glory. And once you understand why, because the angel appears to Joseph and says, Joseph, here's why. Take her as a wife. The baby who is going to be born is going to be God with the world and take the sins of the world away. That's why. And Joseph goes, I now understand why he was able to get through the difficult situation God put him in. Once we know why, then and only then will we be able to not be afraid so don't be afraid because second, nothing can stop God's gifts. Once we understand those trials are gifts from God, then we can get through it without any fear. Consider the gifts God gave Mary and Joseph. God gave Mary and Joseph each other and they were betrothed and they were planning a wedding. And God gave Mary and Joseph the most famous baby ever. They are the most famous parents ever. Ever, and they are both thought of and spoken of kindly and respectfully by 
everyone in the history of the world. For the last 2,000 years, everyone in the world has been talking about that baby. In fact, it is what? 2023? Why is it 2023? Because of that baby. What could even come close today? I thought about it. Here's what would have to happen for a baby to become more famous than that baby. The gift that was given to Joseph and Mary, which they were struggling with all these why questions about. Here's what it would take. Travis Kelsey and Taylor Swift would have to have a baby who grows up and marries into the British royal family. And then a son would have to be born to them because you have to be born into the royal family to eventually become king one day. And so if Taylor Swift's grandson becomes the king of Britain, Jesus would still be the most famous baby boy ever. What a gift that was given to Joseph and Mary. Joseph, in 2023, in Skipak. What's a Skipak? I don't know either. It doesn't even exist yet. They're going to be talking about the gift God gave you. That's how big of a gift this was. But there's a danger If you don't know the exact why we are tempted to doubt God has a good reason for it. Everything that the Lord put in Joseph and Mary's story was for their good and God's glory. And everything God has put into your story was for your good and God's glory. That's why. But think about Mary. Should Mary receive the gift from God's hand and at the same time despise God for the circumstances surrounding her pregnancy and the temporary public shame involved. She could have. She may have been tempted to do that. Should Joseph receive the gift of Mary's betrothal and the gift God put in her womb and at the same time despise God for letting him even consider divorce for a moment or days or however long it was? Should Joseph cry out in rage, why, God, didn't you just send the angel to me first? Then I would have known. You could have spared me all this pain. You could have spared me all the fear. Why, God, didn't you do it that way? That's what I would have done. But when we do that, when we question God's judgment, sometimes it's innocent curiosity, but sometimes it's idolatry. Sometimes a little kid asks dad why, because he really just wants to know. But sometimes a little kid asks why, because he thinks he knows way better than dad. And I know this can be really hard to believe, depending on what we go through. But what we learn from this text is that hard trials are gifts which result in glory for Jesus. Joseph was the son of David. The world was waiting for a king in the line of David to come and reign on his throne and give peace to the people of God and drive out sin and Satan and death. And he came, he did, he arrived. And he wasn't just born in the manger, but he grew up and he climbed on a different wooden object, not a manger, but a cross. And he died to save the world from our sins. And when you understand the why for our good and God's glory, it helped Joseph and Mary get through what they went through. And when Jesus asked God, is there any other way? And the answer was no. You're going to have to go to the cross and be tortured and executed 
Because Jesus knew the answer to the why. Because it was the plan. He got through that. And Jesus has been raised from the tomb so that you and I would know why. Emmanuel, God with us. All this happened. All this took place so that you and I would have God with us when we have to ask why. So think about your life in light of this great story. All this took place according to God's plan for their good and God's glory. All this. The prophet Isaiah, 700 years before Jesus was born, prophesied of a virgin birth. That took place for your good and God's glory. All this. Mary became pregnant before marriage. That took place for your good and God's glory. All this. Joseph spent time considering divorce because he was afraid and there was a chance of public shame and all that took place for your good and for God's glory. All this. That boy was born to be the fear stopper and that took place for your good and God's glory. All this. The boy grew up and died on a cross to save the world from our sins. All this. And the story Melissa shared before her baptism. All that took place as she confessed for her good and for God's glory. And now you and I get to go out into this world of suffering and anger and confusion and fear. And we get to walk Knowing this truth that all that is taking place in our lives is for our good and for God's glory. All of it. Because all this took place so that we could have Emmanuel, God, with us when we ask those why questions. So brothers and sisters, this Christmas week, Remember, don't be afraid. Nothing can stop God's gifts. Amen? Amen. Let me pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your love for Joseph and Mary and for giving them the great gift of getting to be the parents of Jesus. Lord, you didn't make it easy on them. They had to face really hard trials. And they had big why questions. But you sent an angel to comfort both of them and to tell them why. And once they knew the why, they were able to have you walk them through the hardest things in life. And Lord, help us see this week as we prepare for Christmas next week. When we ask why, help us remember that all this took place and all that is taking place in our lives is taking place for our good and your glory so that Emmanuel, you, Lord, could be with us. When it gets really hard, Lord, help us feel your presence 
around us. Your loving arms holding us up when we can't hold ourselves up. And may the praise of your son, Jesus, Emmanuel, be on our lips this week so that the whole world might see that we don't have to be afraid because nothing can stop your gifts. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Why?